Welcome to the 50th Kidmin Talk, sponsored by KidCheck, the innovative folks who make securely checking in your children at church fast, easy, and less time-consuming. And they don't break the bank either. By the way, if you missed my interview with KidCheck CEO Alex Smith last summer, be sure to click that link in today's show notes. KidCheck takes the headaches of providing a secure ministry away so you can get back to the things that got you into ministry in the first place. So be sure to check them out at kidology.org slash kidcheck. Today's podcast is going to be a great one. I have just returned from California where I spent three days with the Kidology coaches deepening our coaching skills and getting some professional coaching training. We're always committed to taking Kidology coaching to the next level. You know, I sat down with our head coach and I asked him to talk about how leaders can get unstuck in ministry and get to the things that they want to do. Now, obviously, having a personal coach can help a lot. But even without one, listen as Coach Barney shares what he has learned through coaching that can help any leader move their ministry forward. Now, if you're challenged or have any questions, be sure to post them in the forum linked in the show notes. Our coaches will be happy to answer any of them. And so with that, it is time to talk Kidman. Well, today's topic is getting unstuck, and I'm so glad to have Barney Kennard, one of our Kidology coaches, here with us today. How are you doing today, Barney? I'm doing really well. Today, what I want to do is talk about when we find ourselves in those situations where we are stuck, mm. how can we get unstuck? You know, and some of us, those listening, and, and I've done it too, and I'm sure you have done it, we're pedal to the metal, we're trying to get out of the situation, but the, we're all we're doing is we're packing the ice, the tires are spinning, and now we're in a rut. Um, and I'll, I'm going to pick on California drivers, Barney, because um, our, our, and this does relate to our topic. Our topic today is getting unstuck. I, I don't know if you've, uh, how well you drive in the snow. I don't know how much, how long. Well, how, because I lived in Colorado. <laughs> oh, you've, you, you have while, experience. So, years. so, okay. Then, then you're not a typical, Oregon, Calif- Washington. Yeah. Then you're not a typical California driver. But mm. when I have gotten to see a California driver, a typical California driver in the snow, when they've been visiting us in Chicago, um, where we just have slush and yucky, gray snow for months on end or when they come to here to Colorado and they they come here to ski and they get stuck in the snow their tendency is to try to get out of that stuck position really fast and maybe you've seen this they they just slam on the gas and they try to get out of it and what they end up doing is is packing that ice or snow and making their situation worse mm-hmm. and and you know what you feel bad to laugh at them but what they're doing is they're making their situation worse because they're spinning those tires and which melts the snow which makes which ice. melts the snow which makes the ice and and um and and you know you almost want to go up and knock on the glass and say you know can, can i get your car out of there and and you have to slowly put the car in reverse and drive reverse and drive and rock the car back and forth and and by twisting and turning the wheel you you can get out of most mm. of those situations and if, and if it's too deep of snow then you've got to either dig some of the snow out or you got to put some wood under the tires and uh but you can you can get out of those situations but when mm. they try to get out of those unstuck situations quickly they actually um, make the situation worse. And I think mm. there's a great analogy there to getting stuck in ministry. Often in ministry, we, we're like that California driver who finds themselves in an unfamiliar situation. They're out of their element, 
and boom, they are stuck. They, mm-hmm. they thought they were just going to be able to pull out of that situation, right. and their tendency is to try and get out of it quickly. Mm-hmm. And, um, and what they end up doing is making things worse for themselves. Mm-hmm. And, then, uh, and then realizing that, they just keep trying more of the same thing. Um, mm-hmm. I've heard it qu- credited to Einstein. It may not be Einstein who said, stupidity is trying the same thing uh, harder Mm-hmm. And expecting different results. Now that may that's not, the gist of it. <laughs> the gist of the quote. It's right? insanity. <laughs> if you keep on doing the same thing over and over, you can't expect different results. Okay. And but we we've all been guilty of that, you know. Just try the same thing harder and expect different results. But we do that in leadership, and mm-hmm. and we get more stuck. And if you've done that to a car. You've gotten yourself now where it's too late. Now you can't rock it back and forth. You can't twist the wheel. It's going to take a shovel. You're, You're going to. You may even need a tow truck yep. <laughs> now to get you out of that situation. So that's what we're going to talk about. But for those of you who don't know who Barney Kennard is, Barney is um, not only one of our Kennology coaches. He is the creator and originator of our coaching program. In fact, he was coaching uh, before we even began the coaching program at Kidology. Has years of ministry experience as a pastor, as a coach, as an evangelist, um, just brings a wealth of experience, not only in ministry himself, but in coaching, equipping, and encouraging others, which is why I asked him to bring that wealth of experience to Kidology and to help us develop a, a coaching mm-hmm. ministry. And a big part of being a coach is helping players in a, in a, in the sports arena get unstuck, to get to that, to get to that next level, to take a team that's struggling and, and is losing and to become a winning team. All the great stories of all the great coaches are the coaches who took a losing team and made him a winning team. And if mm-hmm. we're losing in ministry, uh, not that it's a game, but uh, make a winning team is, is getting them unstuck. And so that, that's what I want to talk about is, is how do you take your ministry to that next step? How, how do you move the ball forward? You know, how do you get down the field? You know, your personality, your style, your giftedness, your responsibilities, the things that you're responsible for can drive you to a point where you stop. And getting stuck is a function of getting stopped. It's obvious to figure out what the next step is when you're running because your feet are in motion. But the problem is is that when we stop, we get stuck and get immobilized, and then we spin our wheels trying to get momentum or forward motion only to discover that we're not moving at all. We're on a treadmill. On a treadmill. (laughs) We feel like we're moving, but we're not getting anywhere. So the next step is usually another step. Not a hop, not a skip, not a jump, not metal to the pedal. But it's usually some very, very almost imperceptible little step that gets you moving in a direction. Um, I become kind of a student of stepping, and uh, it kind of came about because my wife and I went on an Alaska cruise. Uh, We've never been on a cruise before, but I noticed on this cruise we did an awful lot of walking up and down stairs. And uh, the justification for going using the stairs was always uh, we need the exercise. Because if you're on this boat for you know for a week and you're eating three big huge meals all you want you feel like you need some exercise they do so feed you well on those they cruises. feed you well and of course i mean it was gourmet food for a week the stairs um at first were not my friends and uh so i began to experience a little bit of a, a fatigue um just going up and down the stairs but a few things i noticed as i began to realize that most of the people on this cruise were older people they were all seniors and mostly retired, very few young couples and, and hardly any children. 
But the steps were always the undaunting piece because you, you would climb up a set of stairs and then there was a plateau. And then when you turned the plateau, then you would go up the next flight of stairs and then you move from one level of the ship to the next. And there was always plenty to do on every level, but invariably you were on one level and you, in order to go to a meal, you had to go seven or eight flights of stairs. And, and that's a, on a big, huge cruise ship that holds hundreds of people. That was exercise plus. But what I noticed is, is that every time I took a step, whether it was up or down, I was always moving forward. And I used all the energy I felt like I had to get to the plateau. And I noticed that a lot of seniors were resting at the plateau. They would just lean against the wall or the rail and just get their breath. And they had screw up their courage to take it to the next level, which meant that they had to raise their foot up until they got to the next level. Well, the, the, the mental picture of moving forward, stepping up, became kind of a simplified way of saying, what do you do if you're stuck? So it takes energy to move forward. It takes a plan. You've got to have a purpose. You've got to know where you're going. Obviously, if you're going to go up, you're not moving down, and so on. Uh, so what does it take to, to make the next step? Well, it's, it's you have to keep the project in front of you. If the project's hidden or tucked away and you're not, it's not visible, obviously you're not going to take any step with that project. You have to sometimes get outside help. You have to talk about your situation. Uh, it helps if you brainstorm what-if scenarios. Do some research on the idea. Has anyone else done this? Read up on the issues. Find a professional or an authority that could help. A Google search uh, a related projects. Uh, pray for insight to solve what's next. Close your eyes and visualize the possibilities. Brainstorm ideas. Consider what it could make uh, what what could make the impossible possible. What it would take. Um, and keep on asking, seeking, knocking, and persistence counts. There's a few more of those things. And now you're reading from some samples from one of many of the documents that are part of your coaching program, which mm. is some of the exclusive content that you're coaching students get to have a part of. And I love this quote at the top of this document here. The next step is just another step. Do you mind if I read this? No. You know, and it says the elevator to success is out of order. You have to use the stairs just one step at a time. And uh, th this is by Joe. How do you say his last name? Gerard. Joe Gerard. I, I love I love that quote. You know, we people want to take the elevator to success. They want to just be able to get in. Get there the fast. And uh, they all, everyone's looking for the fast track and the easy track. Um, but in life, it doesn't work that way, and yeah. uh, you've got to be able, you got to be willing to take those stairs. And I like that analogy because it's it's up and forward, and it's one step at a time. But being willing to rest um, mm -hmm. along the way, and, understand uh, your situation, take a stock of your setting, then plow. Because many of again. us, I think, especially men who are young in ministry, I think women are better at pacing themselves because they're not they're not as um, consumed with significance and stature and making a name for themselves. They're more focused on people and relationships, which is which is healthier. Um, I think the, the guys or the men, uh, I think we speak for ourselves, are a little more into um, the, the status or whatever. Um, they get worn out because they try to run mm -hmm. up those stairs. <laughs> and uh, and they, get, they get burned out. You hear more stories of burnout um, mm -hmm. for men. But having um, that healthy willingness to rest and take it one step at a time and, and do it uh, with pace... Um, it, it, it's, it's a great, great uh, analogy, um, and, and how awesome that you figured that out while, while you were on that cruise, just moving forward and just stepping up. There's another quote that sounds like, it sounds a little bit familiar. 
Uh, you do not have to see the whole staircase in order to take the next step. And what we tend to do is to tend to look at where we want to be and not pay the price of each step to get there. Mm -hmm. uh, one of the things I've enjoyed about watching your career is that you have paid the price in trenches now for the last 20 years that I've known you, uh, and you have you have excelled in your ministry because you've learned how to take the steps to get where you need to go. This didn't come easy to you. Nobody handed any of this kidology stuff to you. You you have paid the price diligently, day after day, night in, night out, uh, some long hours, I know, uh, to, to get the work done. Um, and the... The, the work speaks for itself. You've, you've, you've earned it. Uh, and it didn't happen because somebody allowed you to be on some escalator to get where you needed to be. You, you, you took every step uh, very intentionally. I had a student, uh, you might be interested to know, uh, came to me and basically she, she said she was stuck. I said, what do you mean? She said, well, uh, if you can picture, uh, and she and, and described this picture of a, of a vehicle in mud, up to the axles, and all the wheels were spinning because it was a four-wheel drive. And there, the, she is inside the vehicle, and she's literally stuck, does not know how to get in or out, move forward or backward. She's in this vehicle, in the mud, and what does she do? And that's when she came to me and got some counseling and coaching, and I began to coach her about her ministry. And we did basically a ministry makeover for her. We began to start looking at all the things she was doing, what she had gone to, through to get to where she was, and we helped her come, chart a course to take some steps, little baby steps at first. And she began to start moving. Now some years have gone by, and she looks back and thanks me for helping her use the tow truck to pull her out and then reestablish her footing and grounding so that she got some traction for where she needed to be in her ministry. Uh, uh, Carl, I just have to tell you, I get great, great joy in watching a student who is actually, with a little bit of help, basically can reorient their whole ministry, and they feel so useful and so grateful for the process that they've been taken through just because someone was willing to come alongside, give them a helping hand, and put them in a track where they were actually able to move forward and accomplish some goals and objectives that they've had for years, but didn't have a plan, didn't know how to take the steps, didn't know how to measure goals, didn't know how to plan well, didn't know how to brainstorm, didn't know how to prethink, didn't know how to, to network so that they made some substantive progress in their personal growth and development. I uh, think a real key, woo. too, is for people sometimes have a wrong understanding of getting unstuck and going somewhere. You know, when, when I was blessed to be at a, I won't say a big church, uh, it wasn't a huge church, it was Church 800, but people would come to me because it was a it was a really nice church, I had a nice budget, I was able to do really neat things at that church, it was in the north suburbs of Chicago, um, but they would come to me at our, because we hosted our Archaeology University conferences there, and they would see my wonderful set that I had, and, and they would they would ask me, you know, what did you do to get here, you know? And they would say, you know, what what can I do to get a get a ministry like this? Because they would feel stuck because they would be in a little church or a little ministry in a shoestring budget, mm -hmm. and um, and because they would feel like because they didn't have what I had, they were stuck mm -hmm. because they had a little church or a small ministry, and and I would look back on when I was in an inner city church, mm -hmm. when I was my youth center, my children's ministry was a mile from the main campus. And I and it was next to a bar, and I had to clean up beer bottles and broken mm -hmm. glass, and and um, and I look back and I remember, 
you know, I was content in that ministry. You know, I had no budget. I, you know, I was cutting stuff out of cardboard and and I was getting by with nothing. And if I didn't, if I wanted a puppet or something, it came out of my pocket. You know, and my wife and I loved that ministry. I was not aspiring to that uh, bigger, quote unquote, better ministry. I wasn't going. If only I had that, I could be successful mm-hmm. or effective. And um, and you know, I, I loved that ministry. And um, and God may have decided, hey, I can do more with Carl if I got him in a in a different situation. But that wasn't my thinking. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I think sometimes we think we're stuck when we're really not. And the answer mm-hmm. is thrive where you are mm-hmm. because what may actually be stuck is their heart and their character and what God wants them to do there and so mm-hmm. they're stuck is sometimes a perception right you know and it, and it may be there's some principle because the things I learned in that tough inner city mm-hmm. ministry yeah the the principles were the same there as they were in the north suburban church and the mm-hmm. things I learned there were so invaluable mm-hmm. and if I'd been bitter and thinking woe is me and all that yeah. um, I would not have become the children's pastor that could have thrived when when years later I got a ministry where I had more kids more volunteers more mm-hmm. money to spend um, I, I couldn't have succeeded there right. because I would have taken my problems with me so I think something's when we're stuck. Mm-hmm. Um, God creates that mud to say, there's something I want you to learn here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when you learn it, mm-hmm. then he brings the water to freeze the tires yep. because now you've become the person. Or the tow truck. Or, the, <laughs> or he brings the tow truck. So, Yeah, I have a student currently that, um, that basically got in a brand new facility, had no clue what to do with it, and began to almost say, I don't understand why I'm here and what's going on with this place. Uh, so I got the tour of their facility. Uh, some other church had been there prior to their using that church, and they had remodeled the rooms in such a way that it, it was almost strange as to what, what, what was going on with those, with that building. So after we went to dinner and we spent some time with the family and the kids went to bed, I began to coach my student about her facility and her room, and basically I said, you know, uh, I think you are upside down in the way you're thinking about this room. She said, well, what do you mean? I said, well, I know children's pastors that would give their right arm for this <laughs> this facility that you've got. And I think you just have not come up with a plan or have applied any creativity to what could really be done here. This room needs a theme. And this room can actually become a place where kids will bring their friends because there's something so unique here and something going on here that so is nowhere became else. became an opportunity. It became an opportunity. So after an hour or so of coaching on this with her husband sitting there, who, and she came up with a whole new theme. And Carl, I have to tell you, after a couple of weeks of working on this theme, she's a new woman. I have to tell you, she now has a plan for her room. And it's on paper. And she's doing things that don't cost any money. She's not spending money yet. But because she was coming up with a plan, she's actually telling people what her vision for the room is. And people are now donating things to her. Paints being donated. Uh, computer stations for a, a spy lab is going. It's called the, the spies. The spy kids is the name of the of, of the room. And so all it's on this secret agent spy central kind of idea. And the room is being com- completely made over to to go into this theme. So her key to getting unstuck 
was getting a vision and a and a and a yeah. imagination and creativity. It took a little outside intervention to someone looking over her shoulder and said, "Look, let me let me just relate to you what's out there that you're stuck with in this situation." And she totally changed. Uh, I am I am delighted to tell you that this girl is moving forward again. And she is with pace and with intentionality and purpose. She has a vision. She's getting excited about her ministry. And kids are starting to catch on. Something's happening here. So when someone's stuck, sometimes they need an outside person to come in and uh, and right. help them see maybe a blind spot that they have. So you've got a sheet here called uh, What Stepping Up Means. That's a, a way to stepping up by that. What do you mean? Well, um, Without going through the whole document, I, I, maybe we can just highlight a few of them. Sure. Usually stepping up involves trying something new. Okay. And not the same thing you've been doing, but, but adjusting. And it takes a little risk to do something new, but don't do something big new. Do something little new. Okay. Um, and the next step is usually a next step. So just moving forward on some kind of regular basis. Someone has said, if you want to change your life, do something different every day. In other words, you've got to be intentionally doing something every day if you want to see change. Mm -hmm. And so that's what this new effort uh, implies. Right. Stepping up can involve giving a little more energy. It could be uh, taking more responsibility. It could be better planning. It could be better orientation for your volunteers. It could be that you're willing to learn a new skill. It could be that you're willing to learn in, to be leading in front of the group instead of being in the shadows or behind okay. the group. Well, so you've, some of those kind of ideas. you've got a bunch. Can I can I put this uh, PDF on the show notes as a download? I'd be happy. To. I know There's most of this stuff's exclusive to uh, your students, but if I could give them this one, I think uh, it would be a teaser of the kind of things that uh, mm -hmm. Kenology coaching students uh, get get to have. And then um, you've got a, you've got another document here. I don't know if sixteen is a coincidence of sixteen steps to the next level. And we won't have time to go through all of these, but I I think some of these are worth uh, highlighting in, in the little bit of time we have together here on the podcast. Um, number one, I think, is pretty obvious um, because I'm talking to a coach. But number one, you have here um, that one of the steps to getting unstuck and going to the next level is. To get a ministry coach. Now, whether that's a college coach or whether that's finding someone local in your church or in your ministry or another children's pastor locally who's uh, walked down the road with you for a while. Um, but why is that so helpful? What Just speak from your own experience as a coach. Why does having a coach um, make such a, a difference in somebody's life? Well, I guess there would be a couple of ways to think about this. So Basically, a coach is someone who looks over your shoulder, takes a look at what you're doing, and give you some assistance in taking some very deliberate winning steps. Um, winning steps simply means that you're, you're doing something different, taking a little bit of a risk, and you have an accountability relationship in helping you do it. Most children's pastors that I run across are feeling very alone in their work. Um, they, they have the largest percentage of people that yep. they're leaders. They're using the largest percentage of the building. They are using the largest amount of money for curriculum. They are using the uh, uh, the, the the bigness of their program overshadows many of the other areas of ministry. And yet, 
when it comes time to staff, they're the only one that's dealing with the children's ministry. And what happens is that they feel very alone. And they're often part-time or volunteer. Yes. So a coach then can give you some assistance, some planning, some helping, some helping hand, and you do this together. Well, I think a key word is that you mentioned is the accountability. Because mm-hmm. I, I think um, I think intentions are always very high, but the busyness of ministry, the load that they're under, just having that person who doesn't push too hard, but pushes enough that um, by the time of your next call, you, you don't want to make excuses or apologize too many times. You can get away with saying, oh, I had a rough week. You know, I didn't get that done this week. But after saying that enough times, you know, it may be the day before your coaching call, mm-hmm. <laughs> you're going to finally do that thing that... And, and that does happen. And, and what I appreciate is, uh, what I look for in coaching is someone who is willing to give a little effort. Mm-hmm. Uh, what I have trouble with is when they give me no effort. I'm not asking them to be perfect. I'm not asking them to knock it out of the park on the first try. I'm not asking them for them, for them to model a response that basically says they don't need a coach. I mean, if you do it perfect because someone gave you a little bit of help and then the project is over, you don't need any more help, then the coach is over. I mean, it's over. So I'd rather have a person who's needy enough to be helped and recognize his help when it's helping and you keep on making steps forward and moving forward and making... So you're almost like moving a rock. And we'll get to that. Yeah. But the point is, is that the accountability is, is about effort. Yeah. And that's what I'm looking for in a student. And, and you and a, you and you help them see their blind spots. Like, are are they kind of struggling with what with the whys they can't get things done? And you kind of gently help them see their blind spots. Yes. And, and they have a lot of aha moments. Like they think they know why they're struggling. And, and you're able to help them realize that the reasons, like their excuses, and I don't mean that they're making lame excuses, they have sincere excuses. Oh, yeah, they're, but real, you guide, they're real excuses. But you guide them toward the actual reason they're not getting to their goals are actually something different. And when they mm-hmm. identify those real reasons, then they end up having successes, and that brings them back for more coaching mm-hmm. because um, it well, helps some of the some of the times that you help a person... In coaching, because of, of they have they have their own saboteurs, and the saboteurs is the, oh the old tapes, the old messages, the things that they've done before that didn't work, and and you come along and say you need to do this or you, you ought to consider doing this or have you looked at this? And they'll say yeah yeah I tried that, but maybe the effort they gave was a little bit too much, too hard, and didn't understand the situation enough, and so they need to instead of coming on a confront confronting the situation like head-on they maybe need to take a sidestep and obliquely come at it where they're actually learning to use the leverage to make something happen because now they understand how things work and sometimes we interpret what's going on differently than what another person looking over the shoulder might might observe so some of the times I've helped people get unstuck by helping them understand that their orientation in their own head needs to be rethought and reconsidered they can make some new understandings of what's going on and then make a plan to move forward. Um, you did a blog post, um, I don't know if it was last year, if it was longer than that, that I was so intrigued with. I mean, um, it had some incredible pictures of some rocks in Death Valley. Maybe I'll snag one of them off your blog and throw it in the show notes to um, pique people's curiosity. But it was these rocks. Uh, well, why don't you just tell about it? And yeah, uh, it's it's fascinating, and it has to do with this getting unstuck topic. And we'll just kind of close with this. Okay, in Death Valley in California, there is um, um, 
an area that uh, is about 10 miles long and three miles wide, or, or two miles wide and three miles long, excuse me. And uh, it's a dry lake bed. So there is uh, um, hundreds of feet, of, of, I guess it's about a thousand feet thick, of silt and sediment that's actually in this dry lake bed. Okay. And it's in a little bit of a valley, and it's very remote and hard to get there. It's kind of a dirt road to it, and maybe you need a four-wheel vehicle to get there. But it's called Playa Racetrack Riverbed, and it's located in Death Valley. As we said, it's three miles long and two miles wide. And there's a phenomenon that takes place there that's unusual, and it's got scientists and observers and people of the park totally baffled as to how it happens. And what happens is, somehow, unbeknownst to anyone... A, a rock will actually be sliding, apparently sliding across the riverbed. There's no water in the riverbed, but the rock leaves a rut like it's been pushed in the sediment, and then it stops, and you can actually go to the lake bed, and you can actually see the rocks that have slid, apparently slid, or like they've been pushed into a stopped position. So... There is a rut following the rock, and there's nothing in front of the rock except more sediment. So the rock is setting down into a rut, and it's sitting there, stopped, immobile, stuck, and no one know how. No, no one has ever seen it move. And no, no footprints. No or... footprints. Uh, no chains. No tires. Um, nothing around it to indicate that anything has pulled it or pushed it. So there are aliens. There are aliens. I don't know. They come so down. So they, they, there's several theories as to how it happens. Uh, the weather there is very, very hot, but in the winter, it gets very cold. And um, apparently, there used to be a lake bed there maybe 10,000 years ago, they say. And so what apparently, uh, one theory is, is that water, when it rains, comes off the hills, and water now goes into the riverbed. And then the winds, if the winds are very, very strong, it can maybe be 50, 60 miles an hour winds. And if it gets cold enough, there can be some ice on the, on the water, on the riverbed, that can be pushed by the winds, and it makes a rut if the ice is not too thick. So the actual slides, and I think this is the theory that makes sense to me, if it were all ice, then the, then the rut would not occur in the, in the ground, but the rut would be up on top of the ice, and the wind would be pushing it on the top of the ice rather than down low. So these are only guesses and theories. But uh, how this applies to leadership is that rock is stuck. It's sitting right there in the middle of the playa in different places. Sometimes it'll move to the left and sometimes it'll move to the right. So there's no, always some constant How often pattern. do it move? It may sit there for a long time before it moves. So all you see, if you walk out onto the playa, you'll see rocks just sitting there with a trail. You, you show it in the show notes. I think they'll yeah. be amazed. This is a phenomenon that's very, very interesting. What I've done is I've applied this principle to leadership. So I maintain that if you, behind the scenes, get aggressive about what you're doing and you create a very studied approach to your ministry, then what you end up doing is you begin to plan, pre-think, strategize, make a, an agenda of things that need to be done by certain times, and you don't just fly by the seat of your pants anymore. You don't just do it without a plan. So you take your ministry very deliberately and intentionally, and when the people show up at your event, everything looks like it's been done. Easy. They, they see the result of your work yeah. rather than seeing you struggle at the event because you're so frenzied and frustrated and everything's upset and not working, but you've done your homework. 
So moving the rock is doing the behind-the-scenes work to get the job done so that it becomes visible and no one can say, oh, how'd that happen? That's what they do say. Yeah. How did it happen? How did this happen? Well, it looks, well, and they're impressed because you took the time to move the rock. So when the ministry occurs, everything's in place, everything's done. You've done your delegation, you've done your training, you've done your organizing, you've done your promotion, you've done the team training, you've done the orientation, and it goes off smoothly because you moved the rock. So my students that I've been talking to about this understand what moving the rock means. It's the behind the scenes. Nobody knows. There's no explanation to it because they don't see. And guess what, Carl? You do this very well. You close the door, get her done. Then you pop out like, oh, everything's just fine. You're social and relational, and but you've been paying your dues because you've moved the rock behind the scenes. You do that very, very well. And I've seen you do it because I've known you a long time. But my students are learning that 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 mystery that takes place in the desert can also take place in their own personal lives. And that's taking the next step because they're not stuck while they're moving the rock. They only appear to be stuck when the work is all done, it's all finished, and it looks it's like a trophy. You see what I've done? Yeah. And then you take a studied approach to move the rock again. You know, it reminds me, um, I'm a big fan of Uncle Arthur's bedtime stories. I don't know mm -hmm. if you remember those. They're, mm -hmm. they're out of print today, but I grew up with them. And uh, you can find them on eBay and places. And one of my favorite stories was about a little boy. And uh, he was uh, either orphaned or adopted. But for some reason, I'm foggy on the details of why he happened to end up at this farmer's house. And I don't know if he was babysitting him or what. But he was new at this farmer's house. But the farmer gave him some responsibilities, took him around, showed him how to tie up bales of hay and how to put the animals away and how to close the barn door and everything. Gave him these responsibilities. But that night, um, a great storm came upon the, 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 the farm. And the farmer woke up and uh, it was a terrible storm. And he ran down to the boy's uh, bedroom and banged on the door and told him, we got to go out and check everything. And the boy was sleeping and, and he was very angry because the boy wouldn't wake up. And uh, so he ran outside and had to run around the whole barn to check on the barn door and check on everything. But, and, um, and the whole time he was muttering because this boy wasn't helping him. But as he ran around and checked on all the boys' chores, everything was fine. The hens were put away, the bales were tied up well, the barn door was locked, and all the windows were shuttered. And as he came back into the, into the house, um, all his anger at the boy was put to peace because he realized the reason the boy was sleeping peacefully through the storm was that he had done his work well. And mm. so the this, this storm caused him no stress. Yeah. Because he had done his work well, he was able to sleep through the storm. Well, I think the and, challenge um, really is, like you're saying, is that you know you need to leave your followers wondering how you move the rock. Yeah. And and you have to wait until they notice, mm -hmm. and then it's our secret. Yeah. Yeah. And so I think uh, I think that's our challenge to to plan ahead, to run our ministries in such a way to step up so that instead of panicking when the storms come, be ready to uh, just be able to sleep through the storms and plan ahead. But I think we can't do that on our own. I think mm -hmm. everyone who's tried to do it on their own realizes when the storm mm -hmm. hits, we panic. Uh, but with a coach, we, we can learn how to do that. So if you're interested in Ketology coaching, either Barney or Todd would love to be your coach. You can go to ketology.org slash coaching or just find it in our navigation. Learn more about the Ketology coaching and um, there's tons of great resources in the coaching program, not only about stepping it up and uh, getting unstuck, but about so many other topics. Ketology Coaching is a curriculum 
based coaching program that uh, is just got a wealth of helpful material, but it's also customized to you personally, what you're trying to accomplish, what you, where you're trying to take your ministry. We've had over 30 students involved in the coaching program, but a third of those have graduated. We now have a graduate program for those who have graduated who want to even go um, to step it up even more in their mm-hmm. coaching program. Yeah. And uh, it's very exciting. So I encourage you to look into the Cadology Coaching Program. Barney, thank you for your time. Thank you, oh, thank you for and having for me. for the way you're investing in our students. Mm-hmm. And um, it's been fun. we're so grateful to, to, to Coach Todd and all that, that he's doing. And uh, we're planning to add even more coaches uh, to our program so that we can equip and encourage even more children's ministry workers out there. Thanks again for listening to Kid Men Talk. Always awesome to get a chance to talk to head coach Barney Kennard. If you have any questions for Coach Barney or Coach Todd, be sure to drop them in the forum. It is linked right there at the bottom of the show notes. Lots of great resources and downloads are going to be linked there as well. Be sure to check out KidCheck. Great check-in system. Awesome information is there as well. Don't forget you can shape the show. Just email me, carl at kidmentalk.com. If you're a tweeter, it's just at kidmentalk. I'd love to interact with you you. And hey, if it's the cost of coaching that has you leery, be sure to check out the link on how you can qualify for some free coaching. Well, this is Carl the Kidologist. Until next time, when we talk Kidman. Kidman.